0: Welcome to This Week in Photo. Bandwidth for this podcast is brought to you by Cashfly at C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com. This podcast is brought to you by Audible.com, the Internet's leading provider of audiobooks with more than 150,000 downloadable titles across all types of literature, including fiction, nonfiction, and periodicals. For a free audiobook of your choice, go to audiblepodcast.com slash twip. this week on Twip, It's a special holiday interview with photo management guru Peter Crow. It's an in-depth sit-down discussion on how to effectively manage your growing Lightroom Library. It's Wednesday, December 25th, 2013, and this is Twip. Welcome back to TWiP. I am your host, Frederick Van Johnson. On behalf of all of us here at TWiP, I'd like to wish you a very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. And we thank you for listening to TWiP each and every week. And this week, we're serving up a special holiday interview with photographer and photo management guru, Peter Krogh. Peter is the author of the Digital Asset Management for Photographers book, also known as The Damn Book, And I recently met up with Peter in Berkeley, California, to discuss some powerful strategies and mindsets for effectively managing your Lightroom libraries. But before we jump into the interview, I'd like to thank our sponsor for this holiday episode of TWIP, and that's our friends over at Audible. This podcast is brought to you by Audible.com, the Internet's leading provider of audiobooks with more than 150,000 downloadable titles across all types of literature and featuring audio versions of many New York Times bestsellers. And for our listeners, Audible is offering a free audiobook to give you a chance to try out their service. And one audiobook to consider is one I'm listening to right now. It's called The Presentation Secrets of Steve Jobs by Carmine Gallo. It's a full four hours and 17 minutes of great audio advice on how to add a little reality distortion magic to your presentations. If you'd like to get a free audio book of your choice, just head over to audiblepodcast.com slash twip. That's audiblepodcast.com slash twip. All right, I'm sitting here with Mr. Peter Krogh. He is the guy that literally wrote the book on digital asset management.
1: Yeah, thanks, Frederick. Really great to uh, be sitting with you yeah. with you on this. It's, yeah.
0: it's awesome. It's good to see you again. So let's let's talk first of it. Set the story on the digital asset management book. Who sure. who did you write that book for?
1: Yeah, that was um, you know it was for my people who uh, <laughs> professional photographers yep. who I saw really having trouble with this whole issue of how do you uh, preserve your stuff? How do you back it up? How do you um, Find it when you need it. Tag it properly. And i had been doing a lot of work with Adobe. Mm-hmm. And I kind of looked around and said, you know, I was waiting for someone else to write it, and yeah. realized I was the guy sitting there. And worked with the folks over at O'Reilly, wonderful publishing house. Yeah. And they took a chance on me and, it, and and published the book, and it did extremely well.
0: That book is thick, so that's like yeah. the that's like the old and the New Testament together. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> All about data management, though. Yeah, there's a lot in there, and which uh, made it kind of, frankly, intimidating for a lot of people that are just coming into the business. They're like, you know what? I'm just gonna. That's a lot of stuff to know. I'm just gonna save all my stuff into a folder and figure it out later.
1: Yeah, and you know, there's a there's a couple of things. One is that for professional photographers, there's this economic imperative Mm -hmm. to save your stuff. You know, you you got all this money tied up in the thing, and and also when I first wrote that in 2005, it was pretty complicated Yeah, and right. it was expensive. You know, hard drives were real expensive and yeah. you know, the, I, it was like a uh, 60 gig hard drive was, was the big drive back then. Right. Yeah. You like, know, wow, I'll
0: never fill up 60 gigs. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and, yeah.
1: And now that's uh, on a, you know, a chip inside your camera. Yeah. But um, yeah, so it, it was more complicated and over the years, one of the things that I've been really pleased about is that we've seen software packages like Lightroom come out that, uh, that do a whole ton of this stuff for you and allow you to really consolidate all your pictures together. And it's just been a whole new world of capability in, the, in, in all of the you know photography ecosystem from from storage to sharing to software. So the thing I'm so excited about yeah. is what I put together for the new book. And it's, it grew out of a bunch of presentations I made to a number of different photographers' audiences. And I was trying to simplify the understanding of how you put a uh, photo library together. And I've come up with this three-layer concept. Okay. And it builds very much on the work I've done before, and it works really well with Lightroom. Um, and basically you have a storage layer, you put your stuff away in a bunch of folders. That's something that should be really simple and easy to understand, like year and month and project, something like that. On top of that, you have a set of tags, which would be say location tags or keyword tags Mm -hmm. that tell you facts about the pictures. And then on top of that, you have the creative projects that you make, which would be the pictures you bring together for slideshows or books or web Mm -hmm. galleries. And Lightroom lets you kind of look at these three tools separately. Mm-hmm. You have a folders panel and a keyword panel and a and a metadata filter for for the tags. And then the collections area is really the place you should do all your work to put the highest value on the pictures.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, I I think the highest value is when we bring the pictures together in a some kind of compelling way.
0: Mm-hmm. So, telling the story. Right?
1: Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. for, for me, the pictures of my kids that I've shot for their whole lives, mm-hmm. I feel like, you know, that's it's like a book or a bunch of books in and of itself. And so yeah. I I love this ability to put those into multiple collections and, and then even create within those collections these creative projects like books and slideshows.
0: Yeah. Yep.
1: And if you save that all together in one environment, you... You save, you sort of naturally over time build this uh, cool organization into your photo library. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if you've made a slideshow one year for your friend or your family or some client or some other event or thing you're interested in, it's really pretty frequent, pretty likely that you're going to want to come back and either see it again or make it better. Yeah and so if you can save that in this place and that's really how lightroom has been designed is to put this creative layer on the very top yeah and and i you know i've seen photographers kind of wrestle with well should i organize by folder or do i use keywords to put all my stuff together that or do i do i put locations in the keywords or do i put locations in locations yeah and and the way I've laid this out in the new book, it makes it really simple which tool you use for which. And, and so the, the kind of hard management stuff can disappear in the background. And the thing that stays in front of you is, here are my pictures. I want to make something cool out of them.
0: Does it make sense to keep everything in one library, in your opinion? And then do, like, okay, I'm going to harvest that library and build collections and slideshows yeah. and books and all that and have them spring forth out of that one library, or do you segment them and make smaller libraries?
1: So that is, uh, has been a, a question that Lightroom users have had since it first came yeah, out. Yeah. And I would say that with the new capabilities in Lightroom and with an understanding of, of good collection management, the idea is to use as few catalogs as possible. Mm-hmm. So if you can get away with one, you should use one it's really that that i think is, is very simple and lightroom these days depending on the computer you're using and you know a few a few variables mm-hmm. You can easily go up to 100,000 pictures.
0: In one library. Because w- you know that was yeah. the next question. That's always the next question. Yeah. Is, okay, if I do one okay, library, how big, <laughs> how big can it get before yeah. Lightroom ch- starts choking? Yeah. yeah, and
1: it's, you know, that's machine-specific, and it's yeah. setting-specific to some degree. Mm-hmm. You know, if you have a creaky old computer that can only barely run Lightroom. Mm-hmm. The advantages of a consolidated um, single catalog are that you can find everything from one place, you know. To, to be able to sit in one chair and see in front of you every picture you've ever shot yeah. is just a remarkable thing. Yes. Now, as you point out, high-volume shooters, professional studios, uh, any uh, photographic organization with more than one photographer, or places where you have to collaborate, mm-hmm. then you start getting into a requirement for more than one catalog. Right. So if you have to use multiple catalogs, then you have to do it. You know, yeah. there's, there's times that people who work at a studio and on location, people who collaborate, people who have just a gigantic collection. You know, my, my full catalog, my full photo library is, is like a half a million pictures more or less. Jeez. Wow. And, and so my current works in progress, my small catalog, mm-hmm. is about 80,000. Wow. It hovers between seventy and 90,000. And that I just have on my laptop and it just rolls with me.
0: All right, so be, the the question comes and i 'm sure people that are watching and listening to this have the same question um, that 's a lot of data yeah. to have in one place <laughs> yeah so how do you manage backup of that data and safeguarding? Are you throwing stuff up on the cloud are you Do you just have a buddy at another house or you just give him a hard drive or how does that work
1: yeah well that that one you know to to cut to the chase <laughs> yes i give a give a uh, hard drive to a friend perfect but yeah. But let's make a distinction here between the Lightroom catalog, yeah. which just has all the information about the pictures, and then the hard drive full of photos that's a photo library. And for right. most photographers, the best thing to do is just have a dedicated drive that's a photo library. You know, go to the big box store or buy it from your favorite online retailer mm-hmm. and and have that photo library drive. And and for most people who are serious, you know, most people who are serious enough to be running Lightroom, it's worth having a dedicated photo library drive. Yeah, yeah. And then you should have a duplicate of that.
0: In other other words, you're saying instead of having your your images and your software and your email and all that stuff running off of one drive along with your photos and your photo library. You would have a external drive that has all the data and then the library itself lives on the internal.
1: So so let's call it, let's dis- distinguish between the Lightroom catalog. Yep. And the photo library, and I, I right. try and use that terminology pretty consistently. So the, so the library is, like, is all the photos. The
0: analogy would be like the card catalog in the library, exactly. and the photos would be the actual books on the, the books shelves. Books on the shelves. Got it. Bingo. Okay. And so,
1: so I advocate for most photographers, it makes sense to have a hard drive that's dedicated to holding all those books, mm-hmm. to hold all those photos, and it should be just a simple, well organized thing. I think divided by year is a, and then month within that, maybe projects within that. Mm-hmm. and and then you make a duplicate of that and it should just be a simple duplicate yeah. you know there's some tricky stuff that i advocate for people who have a you know who really really want to preserve their stuff or, yeah. you know if it's high monetary value or sure. yeah. or they're just the kind of people that want to spend of those the time it. <laughs> i know a lot of those people <laughs> yeah um, so so there's some tricky ways you can do it but for the vast majority of people, if they would just simply make a duplicate copy on another drive. Yeah. And if you live in a secure place, that drive can mostly stay where, you know, right you next to drives. the original.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And that's kind of what I do, If, if you live in a
1: group house or, you know... a a wooden structure over top of a, <laughs> a <you> know, waterfall. <laughs> a a chicken uh, you know, one of those rotisserie chicken barbecue joints or yeah. something and you're worried about fire, then it might be important to move that off site. Now I yeah. really think it's it is important to move it off site because computers are a real um they're very attractive for theft. Of course. Yeah. And so if you can the the beautiful thing that we have now is this ability to just duplicate that onto another drive, carry that drive off site. Store it at your friend or neighbor's house. Mm-hmm. Give you an excuse to go over. and.
0: But um, we're, when you say duplicate, we're duplicating the, the books, right? Yeah. So yeah, the, the, the card the, catalog.
1: Yeah, the well, I, I mean, I do advocate both, but mm-hmm. in, at absolute minimum, for most people, those photos themselves are just incredibly valuable. Yeah. And mostly you put them away, and when you use a program like Lightroom, they never change. Yeah. So you put it away and you do all your changes in Lightroom. So it's possible to simply save those to a hard drive, duplicate that to a second drive. For people who really care, you'd want to duplicate it to a drive that lives close by so you can do it frequently. Yep. And then every now and then you'd carry one off to work or to somebody else's house. And then if someone comes in and steals all your computer equipment, you still have this one over here.
0: What about, what about these companies that we see all the time that talk about cloud storage? You know, yeah, interesting. Mirror them up to the cloud. It can't be any safer than in the cloud, right? Yeah. What, what do you say to that?
1: So, you know, that one thing I'll say mm-hmm. is that those services provide amazing capability for, mm-hmm. for certain kinds of things. And they provide some really great backup and protection for um, for certain other people. And oftentimes, though, for photographers, you can't really fit your whole photo library up into that service. Right, yeah. And so there's a, you know, if everything you shoot is with your phone and it's just, you know, a couple of hundred gigabytes, yeah. then it's very well within reach to find one of the, you know, Dropbox or something, yeah. um, if you're a raw file photographer, you're shooting video, and you've mm-hmm. got a ton of material, then it might work to just put your best pictures up yeah. on the cloud. Yeah, and, and that's one of the things I talk about in my new book, yeah. is how you can use Lightroom's published services to identify
0: um,
1: the best pictures, mm-hmm. and you can automatically have those pushed
0: up to the cloud. Okay. The cloud. So that, that might be the best of both worlds because you don't want to be wasting bandwidth uploading pictures of your feet, right? Right. <laughs> that could be bad. And then the other thing um, I want to know if you, if you encountered this as well is the whole idea of the cloud s- sounds great on paper, but if you're a high-volume shooter, you're generating more data than you can feasibly get up there in the time before you actually generate more data. So you're on this you'll never get everything up in the cloud in that instance. Did you find that as well?
1: Yeah, you know, and I think the if you want to look at the potential downsides, one, can you fit everything through your internet connection? Uh, another, is the company going to stay in business and continue to offer those services? And and we've seen in our years mm-hmm. that sometimes those companies are around.
0: They go away. Yes. And, uh, <laughs> yes.
1: and then the other thing is you don't really know if there's a problem with the upload of the files, and that can happen. Yeah. And so I, you know, I don't think it's the main backup that most people should be using, but if you can, you know, it, it can be part of a an, uh, well thought out storage
0: it's strategy. backup. It's a component strategy. of the overall strategy. Yeah,
1: I think so. I mean, I think the main backup, the primary backup for most people. Should just be a hard drive, another hard drive right there. Yeah. Because by far the most common problem that people have is they flip that hard drive on and it starts clicking. Right. And now you're you have this decision. Okay, do I send it off to you know one of the drive savers companies?
0: Mm-hmm. And with with my mortgage check. Yeah. Call yeah. up call up your
1: wife. Uh, by the way. Uh, yeah.
0: You know that wedding ring? Uh, yeah. I had to sell
1: it. <laughs> we're we're maxing out our. Uh, our uh, home equity loan yeah. because i forgot to back up the hard drive yeah, yeah. um so so yeah if, the, the easiest thing for most people for sure is just have a backup that's sitting so
0: what, what about hard drives so i mean there's you know like, like you mentioned before you could go to best buy or target or whatever and buy a really fat hard drive and yeah. plug it in usb or whatever interface and you got it you got storage or buy two of them for yeah. cheap and you have your redundancy. What about companies that do these RAID systems, like Promise and Drobo, and yeah. all these guys? Should those factor into a robust strategy?
1: Yeah, I think. Well, a couple of things. Um, number one, every hard drive is out to get you,
0: of course. So, like motorcycles, you know. <laughs>
1: that's why I never owned one. Um, so yeah, they. Uh, Any hard drive can fail at any time and even, you know, no matter how much you pay for it, no matter whether it has, you know, it's a four drive redundant RAID array. So there's that part. The other thing that I would say is kind of a universal rule is keep it as simple as possible. Mm -hmm. And if everything you have can fit on one hard drive, for most people, that's probably the way to go. Yep. Now, if you need all that capacity because you have a... You know, in my case, I have 12 or 15 terabytes worth of stuff. There's no way that that can be stored on a single drive. Mm -hmm. So now you have to go to multi-drive enclosures. And So one of the great uh, new developments that we've seen in computers that help uh, anybody who's a Lightroom user is the use of a solid-state drive or SSD. Mm -hmm. Because it's not a spinning disk and it can access the files equally fast from anywhere in the drive. It's really wonderful for Lightroom. It makes Lightroom uh, just run a whole lot faster. Hmm. You know, if you think about scrolling through a bunch of thumbnails, what it's doing is it's just grabbing a bunch of little files from your hard drive, right. and that's really slow. But if it's on an SSD, the whole thing can run a whole lot zippier. Now they're, they're uh, not as uh, high in capacity, sure. so not as big, and they cost more. sure but it can give any computer a big speed boost. If it's if you're running Lightroom on a spinning disk on a conventional hard drive yep. and you change over to SSD, major speed boost. You know, about, that and having enough RAM are, are the two things. that.
0: What about Thunderbolt?
1: So the connection between your computer and the drive really... Um, so it could be the bottleneck. Mm-hmm. If you've got USB 1 or USB 2 that 's a fairly slow connection,
0: yeah
1: and uh, but it may not be the bottleneck. It mm. might be that the drive itself is a bottleneck, so having a slow drive on a really fast connection is like having you know a door that a hundred people can walk through, but you 're only walking through one one guy at a time right so, so it 's a waste yeah. so you need it to be a fast drive on a fast connection okay so if USB three and Thunderbolt are pretty similar actually mm. in the in the real throughput for the most of the kinds of devices people are going to have. Mm-hmm. If you have a really expensive multi-drive SSD RAID device, then maybe you can you know, use every bit of that Thunderbolt capability. But for the vast majority of people, USB 3.0 is going to be just about as fast as Thunderbolt. Yeah,
0: and it's, it's more ubiquitous as well. Absolutely. Right, as far as buying new drives and all yeah. that.
1: And yeah, okay. especially if you want to buy your own... Enclosures and put your own drives in it. So, it, you know, uh, it, the speed is nice, but the speed only really gets you. The speed of the connection only gets you something if the storage device itself is capable of, of keeping up with it.
0: Yeah. Yep. Yeah, got it. Okay. So then, just to close this off, I'm going to talk about the. So again, the Digital Asset Management book or the damn book that you wrote um, was the tome or the Bible for this kind of stuff. You pushed it forward into sort of this digital distribution age, and now you are, now people can consume it easier. Can you talk about that, just kind yeah. of what you did and why you did that?
1: Yeah. Well, you know, one of the things I'm most excited about in the whole world of Internet connectivity is the ability for photographers to take control, right, photographers and writers and, and you know, any, any creative person, to take control of the whole production of whatever it is they're working on. Yeah. Certainly the, you know, the work you do as now filmmaker, uh, broadcaster, producer, publisher. Sure. Multimediographer. Yeah. Yes. I mean, it's, it's, <laughs> it's an incredible world. Yeah. And, and so I was really pleased that O'Reilly was willing to let me have the title back yeah. and, so that we could go to market directly.
0: And so I, O'Reilly was a publisher, they owned the rights, and through some work on your end, yeah. you now own the rights to yeah. the book that you wrote. Yes. Awesome. and And uh, i got to say, they were
1: incredible to work with every step of the way, including all the way up to the end, mm-hmm. when you know, they, were, they were really good. I, I have a tremendous amount of respect for that company. And um, so what we've done mm-hmm. is we've started a publishing house ourselves. And we're doing multimedia publications, and this is combining uh, some of the work that I've done for the Library of Congress and for World Press Photo building educational resources Mm -hmm. are this mix of text for the things that you want to say in text, video for the stuff you need to show as video, and then uh, animated flowcharts or screenshots when that's the thing a person needs. Yeah. And I've worked with some really smart people over the years who have, uh, w- we've developed these ideas about how you split the material up mm-hmm. and I'm really excited about that as a way for people to learn this stuff. You know, I think the open up a paper book and have it say, go to your file menu, pull it down and release it on this and then type this, you know, that's, that's a terrible way to learn Those days are gone. how to use software. Yeah. But I don't think that video all by itself is necessarily the right answer either, Either because sometimes you'll have a set of steps inside a five-minute video, and you don't want to make somebody look through all five minutes when what they really want to do is glance down and say, I know there were five steps, but I can only remember three. Right. So if you put that in text, then when they're trying to put the workflow into action, they can come back and say, oh yeah, I remember basically, but... What were those steps and what was the order? Yeah. And so we're putting that in text.
0: So you're doing, you're, you, you've you built a learning resource that is contextual in nature, depending on what the content is being presented. Exactly. That's awesome. Yeah, which is what people need, and that's taking advantage of the medium. Now, how, how is it delivered? Is it on disk? Is it accessible through password? or how do you, how you- Well, at the moment,
1: what we're doing is selling a download. Mm-hmm. And so you download a PDF file, and there's a whole folder full of videos that are linked. So mm-hmm. when you read down to a place and it says, okay, learn how to set your backup preferences in Lightroom, you click the button, video pops up, Cool. and it shows you that. And um, so the first, the first way is just pure electrons yep. coming over the pipe at you. Yes. And then you save it on your computer. We've also uh, put one of the books out on DVD, and we're, we'll be putting a second one out as soon as, as we can get uh, all the production finished on that. And there are people who have been asking, actually a number of people who have been asking for paper. Mm-hmm. So we will actually do book books. Some people definitely learn a lot better with that. Sure. That printed copy sitting in front of them. Yeah. And... The number of people that have come up to me, you know, when I go speak somewhere, somebody will come up and they'll be waving a copy of my book, and it'll be completely dog-eared and yep. filled with post-its. And, and you
0: get a little tear in your
1: eyes. Well, I, <laughs> it it makes me happy to yes. see that. Absolutely, <laughs> that's cool. And uh, so I appreciate all of you know all of those different media, and I I truly think this is one of the wonderful um, facets of this media age we live in is that you as a creative person, you're not pigeonholed into just photography, just video, just writing, or, or just being the publisher or just being the layout person. You really can, can put, bring a whole vision to life and use whichever of the media is most appropriate to that. And, and, uh, we're, we're building that in at the very foundation of, of what we're doing. And
0: very excited about it. Yeah, that's cool. Congratulations on that. So where where is it? Where if people want to what's first of all, what's the, the, the title of this particular yeah. volume that's out and where is it?
1: Yeah, so um, so what we've done, we're building the the sort of product line mm-hmm. off of the damn book, Digital mm-hmm. Asset Management for Photographers. Yeah. And I uh, I think you and and plenty of other people over the years have suggested why don't you take this how it works part? The, the super nerdy part yeah. and break it off over here and then break off the workflow part over here and simplify that. Yes. And so that's what we've done is we've broken off the workflow part to make what we're calling yeah. damn book guides. And those okay. are for a specific piece of software and specific uh, task that somebody is is doing, like the damn book guide to organizing your photos. Yeah. And so, so ultimately what we'll end up doing is writing another damn book that will have mobile and, right. and cloud and all of these other new developments yeah. that, that are, are really important, but that'll be kind of the evergreen, how does it all work concept. And then that's supplemented with this set of books, uh, multimedia books that show it in action and, and outline workflow. And those can change as the software version changes without having to, to change the big book.
0: Love it. And you know,
1: one of the things I, I feel like I've been fortunate and I'm, you know, Pat myself on the back a little bit is that a book that is a at this point four year old tech book mm-hmm. is still quite relevant.
0: Yeah. And, and, and becoming more relevant as more and more people come in and generate more and more data and cameras get bigger and smaller at the same time. I mean we yeah. got D eight hundred on the one end, we got mirrorless on the other end. So you're creating more with mirrorless, I would argue, and then bigger with the, the 800s on the yeah. other side. So the problem is still there. <laughs>
1: yeah, no, and I know. And I think that, you know, we have a whole generation of people who are really developing kind of a new language in photography. I see this with my kids and other young people I know where they, uh, they talk to each other with photography. Yeah. Photography is an absolutely essential part of their general communication. And, and it becomes even more important for these people to be able to save and preserve their own stuff yeah i think i think too many people expect that those services that they upload them to are going to be around and accessible forever
0: how how should people be thinking about their images when they put them online in one of these free social networks yeah
1: so so one of the first things to say is if your images are really important to you, your control over those images, mm-hmm. and uh, they are something that you expect to make money off of. You do have to be very careful, and you should really be uh, posting those images as much as possible to some kind of a website that you own, you know, your own URL, your own website, rather than uploading them to Facebook or Instagram yeah. or almost any of those services. You know, any of those... Any of those services, you know, they're they are asking for a very broad rights package that is very open-ended. Yeah. And unless you're really willing to go down and look into the weeds, it, it is certainly best to assume that when you upload it to a service, you are giving the service a very broad license to the picture that they may want to use later in a way that surprises you and makes you uncomfortable. Yeah, In Animal House, it's, you know, you made one mistake, Flounder, you trusted us. And, uh, <laughs>
0: exactly.
1: <laughs> so, so the other thing is to say, you know, don't freak out about it. Yeah. And I'd, A lot of people think, oh, my God, uh, you know, my pictures. Are- the sky is falling. I, I think that for, for professional photographers who have pictures with a real economic value and a long lifespan, If you've been shooting, you know, the great architecture of Chicago or great rock and roll bands or, you know, anything else that's a real body of work that has long-term value in publication, I would not be uploading those to Facebook or to Instagram because I think those companies are, you know, Facebook is a media publishing business. They have something like $5 billion of yearly publishing revenue you know, media revenue as a media company. And they and, and so I would be careful about that. I would, I would also be careful about the fact that, um, when you publish to Instagram, for instance, you say that, that they can have them forever. So if you might publish stuff as a 16 year old, God knows what I would have published. You know, if I could have published photos at 16, I've, would probably be regretting some of them. Um, but I, you need to be careful about that because you can't take them back.
0: That was a great discussion with Peter. And one of the key things I took away from that talk was that it might be okay to have a single large Lightroom library. Well, if you'd like to learn more about Peter, you can visit his website at petercrog.com or you can follow him on Twitter at Peter Krogh. And Krogh is spelled K R O gh also be sure to check out the damnbook.com to purchase your copy of the digital asset management book for photographers and to learn more about organizing your photo life well that brings us to the end of another episode of twip and guess what This is the last episode of 2013, and what a crazy year it's been for photographers, and it's already looking like 2014 will bring even more crazy surprises, especially with the Consumer Electronics Show, Imaging USA, and WPPI just around the corner. And rest assured, TWIP will continue to be there every week to bring you inspiration, discussion, and education on all things photography. And please visit our website over at thisweekinphoto.com, or if you want to touch base with me directly, Frederick Van Johnson, you can find me at frederickvan.com. And with that, one last time for 2013, it's time to take that lens cap off. <laughs>